Which is not a clash of civilizations. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast, as heard on 90.7 KPFK in LA. 91.7 KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast. 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and of course, Radio Sputnik five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me. From Bradblog.com, thank you for joining us today for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. And and it is. It is exactly that. Because I don't even know where we're going today. There has been so much going on since the, uh, since the attacks on Friday in Paris, followed by the Democratic debate on Saturday in Iowa. Uh, and all uh, all of the fallout for all of the above thereafter. Uh, we're going to be speaking uh, momentarily with uh, anti-war activist, author David Swanson, whose response to the attacks in Paris on Friday, uh, his response uh, that came just hours after all the news broke and everything went to hell out there, uh, we read his response in full on this program on Monday. So I'm going to talk to him a little bit more about that in detail momentarily. And um, as an act, anti-war activist and author, uh, what would he do? What should we do following attacks like those in Paris and uh, and all of these other uh, terror attacks? If uh, if war is not the answer, what exactly is the answer? We'll talk to, to uh, David Swanson about that momentarily. That much I know. I also know that later in this program, we will speak with uh, Desi Doyen for our latest Green News report. Let's say hello to her now. Hi, Desi. Oh, hey. How are you? Didn't see you there. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, we uh, Actually, uh, the Green News report uh, ties into all of this. Not, yes. Not only do we cover uh, what little came up concerning climate and energy at that uh, at that debate on Saturday, that Democratic debate in, in Des Moines, uh, but also the security issues related uh, to it, related to uh, climate change, global warming, related to the upcoming conference in Paris. Yep. In Paris, the U.N., uh, what is that exactly? The U.N. The- climate conference uh, to bring a, gl- a global comprehensive uh, climate treaty uh, or agreement, if depends on who you're talking to. Well, we'll see if there <laughs> yeah. is a treaty or an agreement. This is, They've that been working towards it. this for, yeah. for years. But this would be a treaty for 
uh, for the whole world to curb carbon emissions. Right. Correct? Yes. Uh, if it is carried out, and there were some concerns about that after the attacks on Friday, you've got all of the world leaders going there. Uh, President Obama will be there. Yep. Uh, President Putin. Yep. Xi Jinping from China. It's yep. going to be a, a world leader fest. Uh, a world leader fest, indeed. And uh, I've been uh, talking to someone who has been dealing with some of the security issues out there, and uh, they are saying they have never seen cover uh, uh, security, uh, you know, measures being taken uh, in advance like they are seeing now following right. the attacks on Friday Understandably. and heading towards this uh, international conference. So we will be talking about that and a, uh, a big win, the big win that we talked a little bit about on this program last week. It got lost a little bit in the in the Friday shuffle with those terrorist attacks. But uh, the big win for uh, advocates and clean energy uh, uh, champions out in New York, where Andrew Cuomo has vetoed a major natural gas pipeline. So all of that uh, and more is ahead today on the broadcast. But first, we let off yesterday's program, which was our first since the attacks in Paris, uh, with a piece from our friend David Swanson titled Non-French War Deaths Matter. He wrote, and this is, I'll just give you a couple of paragraphs here to remind you, he wrote, We are all France, apparently, though we are never all Lebanon or Syria or Iraq for some reason or a long list of additional places. We are led to believe that U.S. wars are not tolerated and cheered because of the color or culture of the people being bombed and occupied, but... Let a relatively tiny number of people be murdered in a white Christian Western European land with a pro-war government, and suddenly, sympathy is the order of the day. Well, sympathy damn well ought to be the order of the day following a horrific mass killing in France, writes Swanson. I just think the same should apply to everywhere else on Earth. The majority of deaths in all recent wars are civilian. The majority of civilians are not hard to sympathize with once superficial barriers are overcome. Yet, the U.S. media never seems to declare deaths in Yemen or Pakistan or Palestine to be attacks on our common humanity. And indeed, writing over in, uh, in Salon the, the day after, that was David Swanson's piece, which he wrote in the hours uh, after the massacre on Friday night. And then uh, the next day, writing over at uh, Salon, Ben Norton underscored some of the points I think that uh, David Swanson was making. Uh, he writes, for example, that there are hundreds of terrorist attacks in Europe every year. The ones that immediately fill the headlines of every news outlet, however, are the ones carried out by Muslims not the ones carried out by ethno-nationalists or far-right extremists, which happen to be much, much more frequent. Yet, it is not just right-wing pundits and the media that give much more attention to attacks like those in Paris. Heads of state frequently do so as well. Minutes after the Paris attacks, P President Hollande, France, and President Obama addressed the world publicly lamenting the tragedy. Secretary John Kerry condemned them as heinous, evil, vile acts. But notable was the official silence surrounding another horrific terrorist attack that took place only the day before the Paris attacks. Two ISIS suicide bombers killed at least 43 people and wounded more than 230 in attacks on a heavily Shia Muslim community in Beirut on November 12. 
That was the worst attack in, in, in Beirut in years. President Obama did not address the world. He did not condemn the bombings. Nor did the White House interrupt every news broadcast to publicly condemn ISIS, the ISIS massacre in Turkey in October that left 128 people dead, 500 injured at a peaceful rally for a pro-Kurdish political party. More striking, strikingly were the heads of state when the Western-backed Saudi-led coalition bombed a Yemeni wedding on September 28, killing 131 civilians including 80 women. That massacre did not go viral, and Obama and Hollande did not apologize, yet alone barely even acknowledge the tragedy. Do French lives matter more than Lebanese, Turkish, Kurdish, and Yemeni ones? Asked uh, Ben Norton at Salon. Were these not, too, also heinous, evil, vile Acts. Uh, well, it seems that uh, David Swanson touched a chord in his original piece, and others have uh, followed up with some of those same questions as well. Here to discuss all of this and where we go from here is David Swanson, author, activist, journalist, and radio host. He's the uh, director of WorldBeyondWar.org and the campaign coordinator for RootsAction.org. His books include War is a Lie. He blogs at davidswanson.org and warisacrime.org. He hosts Talk Nation Radio, and uh, he has been a guest uh, many times over the years on the broadcast. In fact, we've uh, referred to him thanks to his uh, work as a peace activist and author. I should say an anti-war activist and author. We've referred to him as... Um, the conscience of the broadcast every now and again. It's always good to talk to him on days like this. Uh, David Swanson, welcome back, sir, to the broadcast. Uh, great to be back. Thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, reading my uh, column and making it sound better than it uh, than the original with your <laughs> nice radio voice there, Brad. Well, I don't know if I if I did that. Uh, there was plenty to work with, and uh, as usual, you know, you had the take that really caught my eye, that caught my interest. Uh, really, just hours after uh, you know news broke out of Paris, what what, what kind of response have you uh, uh, received from that piece? non-French war deaths matter? Well, you know, before I wrote that article, I tweeted a tweet, uh, which was essentially the first sentence of that article, which you've, you've read. Mm -hmm. uh, we are all France, apparently, though we are never all Lebanon or Syria or Iraq for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, end of tweet. And uh, usually my tweets get three or four retweets. You know, this one is over 12,000 at this point. Wow. Uh, so it, it looked to me like there was some interest. And of course, that interest is driven largely by the, the media-fueled sympathy with the horror and the suffering in France, which is entirely appropriate and desirable, but needs to be built on. Uh, but also, uh, people retweeting that message, and you can tell from the comments that they add to it, uh, there was this disgust with the politically driven, selective nature of where the mass media tells us to direct our sympathies. Mm. Uh, you know, these are people like uh, like that uh, columnist you were reading, uh, Norton, and yeah. and dozens of others uh, that have given me some encouragement for our little species here because they uh, they share my desire to have that sympathy broadened to all victims of of organized violence, not just. Uh, those in a in, in a politically friendly 
government to the to the government in Washington and uh, and a white Christian European uh, population and so forth. Uh, I'm I, I'm a, I actually think we're in a better place, uh, at least in the United States, and I think uh, probably in in much of Europe than we were on September 11th, 2001, in in terms of being able to say wait a minute, don't do it, don't make it worse, don't fall into the trap, don't do what the uh, uh, what these uh, criminals want you to do. Well, th- this is an odd moment uh, where you, David Swanson, are more optimistic than I am. I'm not quite so sure, I'm not quite so optimistic that we are in a much better place. Uh, and a little bit later in, in, in today's program, we're going to talk about some of the reaction uh, that's going on in this country uh, to those attacks in Paris, some of, frankly, some of the appalling reactions. But uh, picking up on your point, David Graham uh, over at The Atlantic, uh, he, he described, I think, uh, the, the sort of the difference in coverage between what we're seeing now uh, following Paris versus some of these other attacks as the empathy gap between Paris and and Beirut, that attack that took place uh, just uh, the day before Paris. He said there is also a troubling tribal or racial component to this familiarity factor as well. People tend to perk up when they see themselves in the victims, noting how Western media largely ignored those uh, ISIS attacks in the days uh, prior to uh, Paris uh, with those bombings in Beirut and in Ankara, Turkey, that similarly killed uh, and wounded hundreds how do you explain, David Swanson, that empathy gap? Is there really a difference in the empathy that we have for those of our own tribe, or is this, uh, or does this have to do with uh, more to do with the way the media present it to us? In other words, if they covered Beirut and Turkey uh, with the same wall-to-wall, round-the-clock cover- coverage and the drumbeat of war, would uh, would we care more? Would the American public care more? Well, it's 100% cultural, and it's a big chunk immediate mass media coverage. Uh, you know, it's not entirely. There are built-in tendencies in our culture to uh, extend our sympathies only so far and to stop at certain superficial barriers. Uh, but this is dramatically encouraged uh, by the the mass media from the New York Times through the the television and radio networks uh people are encouraged to develop this sympathy and empathy and uh, desire to assist and help that is so admirable and absolutely to be encouraged uh when it comes to something like France but France now not France in 2003 when France was the devil because it wouldn't support a, an obvious looming disaster in right. terms of the invasion of of Iraq so that there has to be this incredible short uh, memory uh, things have to be effectively erased from memory very rapidly yeah. in order to to pick and choose where the sympathies are supposed to go and where the the demonization is supposed to go when a when a dictator uh, shifts from being an ally to a target and so forth. Uh, but the, there, there is an opportunity here, I think, uh, and this is whether it's being optimistic or not, I think we have to try to grab every opportunity and use it for what it's worth. And when people are feeling sympathy for victims of, of violence uh, and victims of a war that has spread ever so slightly from a distant country to one of the countries that, in fact, is engaged in that war, uh, we have to try to expand that. We have to try to say, yes, we're all France, 
but we're also all Lebanon, and we're all everywhere else. And the responses I've gotten to my article and to my tweet and, and social media have been, you know, 99% entirely positive. And, and most of the negative ones have been, you know, furious anger that I failed to name some particular country. You know, why did you leave this country out of the <laughs> list when I explicitly said the whole earth, right. you know, which doesn't do it. But I think that's good that people want to uh, make sure that sympathy is extended to various places. I, I'm speaking with the David Swanson, author and activist, anti-war author, anti-war activist, and I and I wanted to uh, talk about where where we go from here, and uh, w- you know where France has gone, where we go, and how you, as an anti-war author and activist, uh, think we should move forward. But I want to hit one more point on the media. I have this concern. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I have this concern. Uh, you know, since ISIS has has come around, I try to not, uh, frankly, cover them, mention them, show them, show their swell black and white uh, pirate flag. Uh, you know, I see a danger in the way that they are covered, the way that these events are covered. I feel like in, in some way we're making the same mistakes that we have made for years in, uh, you know, kind of making outlaw legends out of these mass shooters, right, in our country, where we, you know, put their faces on uh, on uh, Time and Newsweek and, uh, you know, the, these guys in Aurora, Colorado and, and Columbine and so forth. Uh, I, I feel like the, the more that our media waves that scary ISIS pirate flag, I think the more and more attractive, perversely enough, that group uh, becomes. Do we give them too much attention in our media and uh, actually in our politics as well? I think you're absolutely right, and it's a critical point, and it's a difficult one to resolve because you can't pretend it doesn't exist and not talk about it. But what they want is fame. What they want is uh, to be targeted as the prime enemy of the foreign imperialists, and what they want is the bombing. Uh, And this is what the U.S. government uh, is giving them, and France is giving them, and the media is giving them. And I think you know one alternative is to compare them to other threats that are more real but less glamorous. You know, the the police officers in the United States are far more likely to kill you than a Muslim terrorist or a Syrian refugee. Mm-hmm. McDonald's is far more likely to kill you. Health insurance companies, environmental polluters are far more likely to kill you. Climate change uh, is mm-hmm. going to render the entire caliphate over there uninhabitable yeah. this century unless we radically change our behavior. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there were there were all those appalling reactions that you that you mentioned. Uh, I assume you're referring to such things as uh, denying Syrian refugees entry into a state, if that can be done. There were all of those things after 9/11 as well, mm-hmm. but more so with less opposition in the other direction. You know, Barbara Lee was the only Congress member that didn't want to launch a war. Now there are quite a few uh, to take one measure of it. Uh, Congress members, of course, lagging far behind. Uh, the public uh, now, as always. But we also had Republicans back then uh, saying that, you know, Islam is peace. You had George Bush saying, you know, this is not about uh, Muslims. This is about these outlaws, these criminals. Uh, and, and now you've got an entire, uh, uh, you know, major political party, it seems, that is simply saying, no, blame all the Muslims. And I think that's a very dangerous place to be. But, you know, I, I, and I think that's all just made worse. I, I feel like the, the, the media fans the flames, but I don't know the answer. And it sounds like neither do you necessarily in that we have to cover 
obviously these events, but where is that line between uh, you know appropriate coverage of the news and uh, you know making folk heroes out of the bad guys? And then, of course, we certainly make heroes out of them in in some regard when we start bombing them. As you point out, that's exactly what they'd like us to do. Uh, France unleashed a massive bombing campaign, we are told, uh, purportedly against ISIS targets in Raqqa, over the, uh, in Raqqa Syria, over the weekend. Um, I, 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 you're, well, I don't know if you can help me out here or not. I don't understand. You know, we have been carrying out these, quote-unquote, massive bombing campaigns against ISIS and al-Qaeda and all manner of targets in that region now uh, for more than 10 years. And it seems like uh, the enemy is growing, not shrinking. Isn't it the uh, definition of insanity, they say, to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? I, I think it is. And I told Russia this on Russian TV earlier today. Stop imitating the United States. So wake up. I, I've been saying this to France. That, you know, these nations need to stop repeating this mistake of creating blowback and then using that as a justification to escalate the violence that created the blowback in the first place. Uh, it, it is, they, they all announced that there's no military solution. President Obama said it over and over and over again every time that he escalates the attempt to find a military solution. <laughs> Raqqa is, is a city inhabited by human beings, uh, and, you know, ISIS uh, is, is a fleeting target, uh, leaving misleading clues to the, the brilliant Western so-called intelligence services. Uh, but who dies in these massive airstrikes, as they call them, uh, is inevitably civilians, mm. primarily civilians, who deserve our sympathy absolutely as much as French civilians, uh, but don't get it, uh, because uh, we aren't told, for one thing, uh, and, and we're led to believe that, you know, military-aged males uh, were the victims and so forth uh, of almost every strike. It, this, is, this is entirely counterproductive. None of this would exist without the 2003 invasion of Iraq uh, and going back to the uh, to the funding and arming of these militants in Afghanistan uh, decades earlier. This has got to stop, uh, or you're going to have this problem worsening and worsening. Uh, and so the fact that uh, that people are sitting down and talking and talking perhaps about even not insisting upon the overthrow of Assad uh, is is very encouraging and has to be uh, where the focus goes. But it can't be, let's come to a new agreement and allow Assad to stay in order to all join forces and bomb ISIS more, which sort of misses the point that well, it's counterproductive uh, on its own terms. Uh, and even if the United States and Russia and, and all parties come to an alliance, uh, they're not going to uh, affect the result that they imagine. Well, it seems like that is where we're going with uh, another coalition, uh, all of these countries getting together for even more bombing, even more shock, more awe. So, David Swanson, if not that, because uh, I know that, uh, you know, from the perspective of someone who opposes war under, I think, pretty much all circumstances, uh, if not war, if not bombing, you know, with this direct threat, with ISIS uh, you know, trying to get at, uh, you know, all not just Western countries, as we've discussed, but all sorts of countries. What do we do? What do we do tomorrow, uh, President Swanson, in order to deal with this? 
Yeah, luckily I'm not president. Uh, go to rootsaction.org and sign the petition there if you agree with it. Uh, contact elected officials and organizations and peace activists and other groups and, and get involved in pushing for peace and justice and sanity this time rather than war and escalation. Uh, demand that the U.S. government Stop supporting anything that Saudi Arabia and Turkey and other allies do, even though they're making the problem worse. Uh, cut off the funding and the arms flow to ISIS from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states uh, and from the United States uh, directly and indirectly. Stop arming the so-called moderates who pass the arms off. Stop arming the Iraqi government that uh, surrenders the arms. Cut off the the funding and the supply uh, for ISIS. End the air campaigns. Stop dropping the bombs that are the biggest recruitment tool uh, ISIS has had. And announce a completely different approach to the world, including military withdrawal from the Middle East, massive reparations for the damage in Iraq and Libya and Afghanistan, uh, including green energy, which this region needs more than any other on Earth, uh, and uh, insist on uh, an arms embargo. You know, 80% of the arms shipped into the Middle East are U.S. to begin with, so you announce an arms embargo, uh, the United States alone, you've got 80% success. But, but a get agreement uh, that you're going to have a weapons of mass destruction, free Middle East, that's going to include Israelis' nuclear weapons and everyone else's nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons, uh, stop the construction of nuclear energy all over that region and push green energy instead, uh, and, and stop pouring gasoline on the fire. You know, you, you say uh, get you know stop shipping weapons and armaments into the uh, into the area. It kind of reminds me of you know when we talk about um, you know gun safety measures here and how we should stop selling this type of gun or that type of gun. Meanwhile, we've got so many guns in this uh, country. If we stop selling all guns right now. You know, I, I, I think this uh, U.S. would remain uh, the wild, wild west for decades to come just with the amount of arms that are already here. I feel the same is true with the Middle East and that even if we stopped uh, shipping over arms, even if we stopped supporting uh, Saudi Arabia, who, you know, is, is pouring uh, so much support for these guys, for these terrorists into the rest of the, uh, the region, that there would still be this violence. And uh, what you're saying, David Swanson, is we need to get out. We need to get out entirely. So, okay, if that means the entire region collapses into war, uh, including Israel and including, you know, pretty much everyone over there, that's the way we should go. We should get out. We should wipe our hands of it and, and, and just let this mess eventually settle itself out. Yeah, by, by saying that the United States should stop making it worse and start making it better, and that, it, that, and that that includes pulling the U.S. military out of places where the U.S. military is making things worse, doesn't mean uh, abandon the region and let everyone die. Uh, it's a, a, actually a sincere attempt to make things better. Uh, if the United States were to make gun sales illegal, the price of guns would skyrocket, just as it did in Australia when they did this, uh, to the point where most uh, people would not uh, have a gun to come rob your house because the gun would be worth more than anything they could get out of your house. Uh, mass violence 
in terms of war and support for groups like ISIS is very different, I think, from that sort of individual gun crime in this country. It requires mass support for the agenda. Uh, and if you stop propping up dictators and you stop arming them uh, and you stop uh, supporting brutal governments uh, and, and brutal lives that lead to desperation and support for these groups, uh, then you have a chance of stemming the tide of recruitment uh, into groups like ISIS. Uh, people don't join. The, you look at the Nation Magazine's report by this journalist who went and talked with all of these ISIS members. Uh, they don't join primarily because of, of a certain religion. They, they join because they hate the United States uh, for what it's done to their region. Uh, I mean, they, they say exactly what the U.S. government doesn't want you to know they say, that this is blowback. Uh, and so stop making it worse and start making it better. Start giving these people a chance at a decent life with reparations, economic and, and agricultural and energy and structural, uh, that would actually cost much less than what is being spent on the militarization of that part of the globe. David, I've got just a, a minute left, and you've outlined a lot of things that we should stop doing. Uh, what, other than stopping doing things, uh, what should, is there anything proactive as far as, uh, you know, the, uh, do you support uh, police actions, special forces raids, that sort of thing uh, to target uh, potential enemies, imminent attacks and so forth, uh, as opposed to, you know, bombing campaigns and boots on the ground, long wars and so forth? Uh, do countries in that region have the right to defend themselves, uh, you know, against threats or is it? all hands off as as you see it and then uh, try to figure out a new paradigm uh, of peace. Yeah, well, if police action is a euphemism for something like killing millions of North Koreans, then of then of course I don't support it. But if it means action by police uh, in a restrained and wise and strategic uh, manner intended to uh, uphold uh, a, a nonviolent civilization, uh, then yes, absolutely, there's a role for it. Uh, there's also a role for peace workers uh, and human shields. There's also a role for uh, journalists and. Uh, and aid workers, uh, but it's you know it's very difficult uh, to put these people into uh, utter chaos, uh, and, and you've, so you've got to to do this in stages. You're not going to go from uh, the disaster that several Middle Eastern nations are today to uh, a peaceful paradise uh, in a week, uh, but you could do it in a year or two uh, if you did everything right. Uh, and it has to start with ceasing to make things worse. Uh, and, and then the steps that would actually make it better uh, certainly ought to include criminal justice uh, of whatever form and with, through whatever sort of truth and reconciliation process. Uh, but people, including uh, top leaders of Western nations uh, who have as much uh, at fault as, as locals in some cases, mm -hmm. uh, be brought to justice uh, for what's been done over the, the past number of years. David Swanson, author, activist, journalist, uh, campaign coordinator at RootsAction.org, where uh, their latest uh, petition uh, titled, Insist Paris Tragedy Not Be Exploited for More War, 
has uh, already gained uh, over 25,000 signatures in just the uh, day or two that it has been up. I'd encourage you to go over there and check that out as well. Check out David's uh, personal work at davidswanson.org and warisacrime.org. His, uh, his book, War is a Lie, will be uh, second edition. War is a Lie, second edition, will be published uh, in April of this year. Congratulations on that, David, uh, and, and on all the success of all of the important work you're doing. Uh, he can also be heard on Talk Nation Radio, and he should be followed on the Twitters at David C.N. Swanson. David, always great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, thank you for being the conscience of the broadcast. You too. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, all right. We'll do it again soon. A quick break, and we are back with more broadcast right after this. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Good luck with that. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. Trying to make sense of it all, as the uh, as the theme song goes. Uh, there, there is a lot to make sense of here, and I suspect we will be doing so in the next uh, few days as we, as, as well, as the world continues to react to what happened in Paris, France on Friday. That's, of course, as we discussed in the last segment with David Swanson there, as they, as they react to what happened in Paris, France, but they seem to not notice what happened uh, everywhere else in the world. What happened in Beirut just the day before, what happened in uh, Turkey just a few days prior to that, and frankly, what has been happening across the Middle East for more than, for well over a decade at this point, in no small part thanks to us, thanks to what we did, thanks to us lighting that fuse, uh, at, certainly in 2003 when we invaded Iraq, uh, if not long before that with our policies in the Middle East. So there is a lot to make sense of here, and I will do my best. I'd love your thoughts, of course, as well on all of this as we move forward. You can follow me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog as well over at the uh, over on Facebook at the Brad Blog, or drop us email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Uh, and I know we've got a, actually a whole lot that's sitting here in front of me that I want to get to. I'm never going to get to all of it because we've got to get to the green news in a few minutes, uh, at least not all of it today. 
So the story will continue. But from Ben Norton's uh, piece that I was citing while I was uh, speaking with David uh, Swanson there, uh, there's a lot in this piece, uh, Ben Norton's piece at Salon, a lot of really good stuff. And I've only just read a bit of it, but and we'll probably go back to it more this week. But in regard to what David was saying um, about, you know, bombing, how's that going to work out? How's it going to work out uh, just doing more bombing, more intensive bombing? I mean, this happens every time. I remember, I think it was, uh, I want to say, uh, Lebanon, where one of their uh, pilots, fighter pilots, was, was shot down earlier this year. Uh, or, you know, the instance where they uh, horrible, where they burned, burned him alive. I can't remember if that's what it was, but as I recall, the country of Lebanon... Uh, then went on, said, uh, we will you know, spare no cost uh, and uh, we will attack the people who did this. And they went on a bombing campaign. And how'd that work out? Did that slow things down? Did that stop? Maybe we need to try something else, something. And I don't know. David Swanson lift, listed off a lot of things. But Ben Norton writes something similar. He says uh, near the end of his piece, he, he says the hegemonic, quote, solution is always more militarization both abroad and here at home. Yet it is, in fact, militarization that is the cause of the problem in the first place. At the time of the atrocious 9-11 attacks, al-Qaeda was a relatively small and isolated group. It was the U.S.-led war in and occupation of Iraq that created the conditions of extreme violence, desperation, and sectarianism in which al-Qaeda metastasized, spreading worldwide. The West, in its addiction to militarism, played into the hands of the extremists. And today we see the rotten fruit born of that rotten addiction. ISIS is the Frankenstein's monster of Western imperialism, writes Ben Norton. He concludes by saying the Paris attacks, as horrific as they are, could be a moment to think critically about what our governments are doing, both abroad and here at home. If we do not think critically, if we act capriciously and violently, the wounds will only continue to fester. The bloodletting will ultimately accelerate. In short, he writes, those who promote militarist policies and anti-Muslim and anti-refugee bigotries in response to the Paris attacks, are only going to further propagate violence and hatred. If the political cycle is not changed, the cycle of violence will continue. And boy, can we guarantee that will happen, that it will continue, that the political cycle will most, not, uh, most likely not be changed. It would be lovely to see tens of millions of people uh, going over to RootsAction.org and signing that petition to say uh, no more militarism in response to the Paris attacks. That would be wonderful. But I doubt that will happen. Uh, instead, what we are hearing and we're going to continue to hear over the next year, because this is a presidential election year, is we're going to hear more of the drumbeat. Uh, you know, we've got to wipe the bastards out. We've got to we've got to do more bombing. Nukem. It's a battle of civilizations. Civilization itself is uh, is at risk here. This is uh, our generation's world war. This is World War Three. Here was Marco Rubio uh, singing that familiar uh, familiar song as part of his presidential campaign yesterday.
The attacks in Paris are a wake-up call to the fact that what we're involved in now is a civilizational conflict with radical Islam. This is not a geopolitical issue where they want to conquer territory and it's two countries fighting against each other. They literally want to overthrow our society and replace it with their radical Sunni Islamic view of the future. This is not a grievance-based conflict. This is a clash of civilizations. For they do not hate us because we are, have military assets in the Middle East. They hate us because of our values. Okay. Right. They hate now, us. They hate us because of our values. They don't hate us because we have military assets in the Middle East. They don't hate us because we are constantly bombing their country. We are constantly killing killing them, uh, and not just them, not just the people who are engaging in this war, but uh, their families, their children, their, uh, their wives, their mothers. We, we read, I think it was last week before all of this happened, these uh, admissions from, uh, from the CIA d uh, director, I think it was George Tenet, was it, who, who said, uh, uh, yeah, w we knew that we were probably going to kill. We had a target. We knew that the target was there. And we were going to target him with a drone from the skies. And there was a concern that, oh, his wife and children were in the same house with him. And we went and took the shot anyway. We killed the wife. We killed the children because we had to get this guy because he was so bad. Now, I wish that was the exception to the rule. That's not the exception to the rule. We do that all the time. And we stand by while our allies do that all the time. The attacks uh, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia, uh, that Saudi Arabia has been leading uh, in Yemen, has killed, you know, they, they just attacked a wedding party. Where's the numbers that I have on this? I, I, I don't know if I read this earlier or not, but uh, yeah, uh, Western-backed uh, Saudi-led coalition bombed a Yemeni wedding on September 28, killing 131 civilians. If you're keeping score at home, that's a higher death rate than ISIS killed in Paris last Friday. This was by our allies. This was a wedding party, 131 civilians. That included 80 women. You may not have even heard about that. Our media did not go wall to wall. MSNBC did not have a terror in, uh, a terror in Yemen, terror from the skies graphic with spooky haunting music behind it. It just happened. It happened. It happens all the time. The illegal U.S.-led invasion of Iraq, uh, writes Ben Norton uh, in, in, in Salon, uh, led to the deaths of at least one million people, destabilized the entire region, created extreme conditions in which militant groups like al-Qaeda spread like wildfire, and eventually leading to the emergence of ISIS. That was Iraq. In Afghanistan, the ongoing U.S.-led war and occupation, which the Obama administration just prolonged for a second time, has led to approximately a quarter of a million deaths and has displaced millions of Afghans. The disastrous U.S.-led NATO intervention in Libya destroyed the government, turning the country into a hotbed for extremism and allowing militant groups like ISIS to spread west into North Africa. Thousands of Libyans have been killed and hundreds of thousands have been made refugees. In Yemen, the U, as I just noted, the U.S. and other Western nations are arming and backing the Saudi-led coalition that is raining down bombs, including 
banned cluster munitions on civilian areas, pulverizing the poorest country in the Middle East. And once again, the story should now be familiar. Thousands, thousands have been killed and hundreds of thousands have been displaced, writes Ben Norton. But other than that, Senator Rubio, they don't hate us for our military assets in the region. They hate us for our freedoms. Really? Yes, it's a clash of civilizations. This is our great war. We have to stand up for our right to bomb the crap out of them and kill their civilians for decades on end. That's what we have to do. That's what our generation must stand up and do. And by the way, when that effort leads to a flood of millions of refugees, oh, you can't come in here. Don't come in here. You're not welcome here. We don't want you here. You might be terrorists. Go to hell. For what it's worth, John Kerry uh, sort of responded. I don't know if this was on purpose or not uh, to Marco Rubio's claim that this is a clash of civilization. Uh, He was in Paris, I think, John Kerry. Um, He, for his part, at least in his statement, uh, doesn't does not believe This is a clash of civilizations. Don't mistake what these attacks represent. This is not a clash of civilizations. These terrorists have declared war against all civilization. They kill Yazidis because they are Yazidis. They kill Christians because they are Christians. They kill Shia because they are Shia. They are, in fact, psychopathic monsters. And there is nothing, nothing civilized about them. So, uh, yeah, it's not a clash of civilizations. It's a war on civilization itself, as John Kerry sees it. If you can. If you can understand that nuance. I'm not sure that I can, and I'm not sure that anyone in our uh, in our media at home here uh, can remember it. Now, you would expect, uh, and we won't have time to get to this today, maybe tomorrow, you would expect, of course, Fox News and their drumbeats to continue. Call for war, more war. But it was actually CNN, and we don't have time to, we'll we'll try to devote uh, the full day to this tomorrow, barring any more (laughs) news and surprises. Uh, But it was uh, CNN. CNN had a couple of anchors. Uh, in, in the hours after the uh, after the attacks on Friday, and and they had a, a guy, a Frenchman who ha- who is Muslim, uh, who happens to lead, I think, the the Council Against Islamophobia, and we'll, we'll play the longer part tomorrow. But here was the, at the end, after he had uh, left. This uh, what's his what's his name? Does he? His name is Yasser Louadi, and he Luwadi. is a member of the Collective Against Islamophobia in France. Right. And uh, he was asking, well, where is the Muslim community? Where is their responsibility in all of this? And he answers, no, this is not about the Muslim community. We are French. We are Frenchmen. Uh, you know, these people are not a part of our community. They left. They went away. They got foreign trained and then they came back. Uh, you know, we stand with the French. And because these, we are friends. Because we are friends. And, and yet these two anchors, these two CNN anchors, were like, I don't know. I don't hear anybody re- re- declaring responsibility. Just play the end of that. That after he left, here's here's what they had to say behind his back. 
Yes, Luati there, uh, spokesman for the Collective Against Islamophobia in France. You know, I'm yet to hear, uh, you know, the condemnation from the Muslim community on this. But I mean, we'll I, you know, see. again, the point he's making is it's not our fault. But the fact of the matter is when these things happen, the finger blame is pointed at the Muslim community. And so you have to be preemptive. It's coming from the community. You've well, got to stand in. The word responsibility yeah, comes to mind. It just comes yes. to mind. You, you can't shirk that. Yeah, you can't shirk it. It just comes to mind. Just the way all white people were asked to apologize after that jerk walked into the, uh, the the church in South Carolina a few months back and shot up everybody. Desi Doyen, are you willing to apologize? Are you willing to take responsibility for what your uh, fellow white people did? <laughs> Only for white. That He was a white man, so as a white female, no, I don't have to take responsibility okay. for that. Okay, well, you were raised Christian, weren't you? Yes. Okay, well, that guy was Christian, as I understand it. Are you willing to take responsibility for all Christians <laughs> after what he did in that church in Absolutely South Carolina? Absolutely not. But I do condemn it. Muslims around the world also condemned the Paris attacks. Muslim leaders of the world over are condemning the horrific terror attacks that struck Paris Friday night, expressing outrage and shock at the onslaught of shootings and bombings that left 120 dead and hundreds wounded. This is over at Think Progress. They list one group after another after another in Ireland, uh, in, in, in uh, Great Britain, in Indonesia, uh, in America, all of whom are, are forced, unlike every other group in the world, unlike every other ethnic uh, or religious group, when something like this happens, they are being forced to condemn, issue their condemnation. You know who else? Uh, where else you could have found that information other than Think Progress? Since CNN uh, had yet to hear any uh, Muslims, uh, you know, take responsibility for this, condemn these attacks. Oh, here's an article. It's called hashtag Not in My Name: Muslims Condemn Attacks in Paris by Savannah Pratt of CNN. Idiots. Quick break, and we're back with our Green News report. This story, I suspect, will continue, as much as I hate to say it. Any, in any event, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Stay tuned. We will stop nothing. We will sally forth. We will move forward bravely uh, in the face of uh, whatever, whatever is going on in Paris. Well, we will talk about that yes. uh, momentarily here in. Don't even start me on the Islamophobia. Well, that's tomorrow. OK, uh, let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. All of us believe climate change is real. Climate and energy get short shrift in the second Democratic presidential debate. In the previous debate, you said the greatest threat to national security was climate change. Do you still believe that? Yes, U.S. media. Climate change remains a national security risk. International climate talks will go forward despite Paris terror attacks. Plus, the reward was not worth the risk. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo vetoes major natural gas facility. All of that natural gas and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. They said the rising sea levels would put parts of Florida underwater. We said only parts. <laughs> this is your Green News Report. I'm gonna soak up the sun. 
Okay, Desi Doyen, a source of mine who works with the military in Europe, says that they have never seen such high uh, security in place as they're seeing now in Paris in advance of the U.N. climate talks. They say that even contractors are being highly vetted like never before. Yes, intensified security measures are now in place in Paris in advance of the International Climate Treaty Conference. U.N. officials and French government officials announced that the conference will go forward as scheduled in two weeks, but marches, concerts, rallies, and other outside events are likely to be canceled. More than 150 world leaders will attend the opening of the conference, including President Barack Obama and the leaders of Russia, China, India, and the European Union. The two-week conference is focused on completing a new comprehensive international agreement for all nations to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous climate change. Meanwhile, at the second 2016 Democratic presidential debate hosted by CBS News on a Saturday night in Des Moines, Iowa, moderators chose to ask no direct questions about climate change or energy policy, despite the importance of both, except for one mention. John Dickerson of Face the Nation did offer Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders a chance to do over his previous remarks linking climate change to national security and terrorism. In the previous debate, you said the greatest threat to national security was climate change. Do you still believe that? Absolutely. In fact, climate change is directly related to the growth of terrorism. And if we do not get our act together and listen to what the scientists say, you're going to see countries all over the world. This is what the CIA says. They're going to be struggling over limited amounts of water, limited amounts of land to grow their crops. And you're going to see all kinds of international conflict. On Sunday's Face the Nation, Dickerson then asked Sanders to explain further how drought in Syria gave rise to terrorist organizations like ISIS. When you have drought, uh, when people can't grow their crops, they're going to migrate into cities. And when people migrate into cities and they don't have jobs, uh, there's going to be a lot more instability, a lot more unemployment. So where you have discontent, where you have instability, that's where problems arise. And certainly, uh, without a doubt, Uh, Climate change will lead to that. We have been covering this issue for uh, well over a year at this point since the rise of ISIS. The fact that uh, so many in the media and the public and certainly in the Republican Party don't understand the connection is, frankly, a a national shame. In fact, over a decade of CIA and Defense Department research finds that climate change impacts are a threat multiplier that aggravates unrest in volatile regions in ways that help fuel terrorism. So to wrap up this Democratic debate, CBS did not ask any questions about energy policy or about the United Nations International Climate Agreement, which the next president will carry out. All three of the Democratic candidates have significant significant specific policies for energy and climate change, but you wouldn't know that if you watched any of the debates so far. Finally, buried by the news of the Paris attacks, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on Friday vetoed a major proposed liquefied natural gas port facility in Long Island Sound in favor of an offshore wind farm proposed for the same location. But he also cited security concerns. We have terrorist groups that are springing up more and more uh, who look for targets of opportunity where there's a potential to do a significant amount of damage. Cuomo also pointed to the billions of dollars in damage to New York's infrastructure that was caused by Superstorm Sandy to conclude that the project was not worth the risk. By the way, I don't believe that that is the last time we're going to deal with something like that. 
Climate change is real. Extreme weather is real. This is actually a very big deal. We've seen just within the past two weeks the president turning down the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada. Now Governor Cuomo turning down this natural gas pipeline in New York. We may be turning a page when it comes to fossil fuels in this country. These are big stories. Pay attention. For much more on all of the stories we covered today and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. There I go. Turn the page. Oh, I hope we are turning a page, Desi Doyen. I know, I we know. Will see. Based we on will what see. Uh, David Swanson said, you know, some of mm-hmm. his ideas for what we do instead and what we do now, that's that's kind of along the same uh, lines. Well, yeah, th- Stepping so, away from one thing, fossil fuels, and moving yep. to the other thing. It, this all goes together, and we're going to hear, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the wingnuts, uh, well, what do you mean uh, climate change is the greatest threat? Didn't you see what happened in Paris? Well, let me just, uh, on that point, before we got to get out, uh, via our friend Peter Sinclair over at climatecrocs.com, uh, he said, uh, he pointed out uh, that the terrorist attacks in November 2015, in, in Paris, 129 fatalities. In August of 2003, the European heat wave there, 70,000 fatalities, a sizable fraction of which he notes are were in Paris. So 129 fatalities, horrible indeed. But uh, climate change in August of 2003, in Europe alone, 70,000 thousand fatalities so laugh all you want when you say climate change is uh, the greatest threat this uh, planet faces uh i think uh, bernie sanders has the facts to back it up anyway uh this story all of these stories will continue i'm sorry to say my thanks to desi doyan our producer to our booking goddess cynthia Cohn, and of course to david swanson of war is a crime.org and rootsaction.org We'll be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, drop me an email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can also find me on the Twitters at thebradblog. And if you missed any portion of this program or any other, you can always download it at bradblog.com and over at iTunes where, yes, please do give us a good review. Make it a little bit easier for everyone else to find our program. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.